before fully understanding the truth about life and death, focus on your inquiry. Inquiring into the matter of birth and death. Thinking back to when I was in a forest monastery in mainland China, everyone there was a monk or a nun. Every day we would recite the Buddha's name, and when winter came, we would have additional practice times. These were not times for the learners to ask questions to the good advisors, but rather they were for the good advisors to question the people who were participating in the services. What did they ask? They certainly did not ask about your health. During the seven-day recitation retreat, they did not care about your body. Illnesses and ailments were not treated. If someone died, their body would simply be pushed under the dormitory bed. What had died was simply a foul-smelling empty shell of a body. It was more important to focus on ending the cycle of birth and death. In order to do this, we must understand the truth about birth and death. Where did you come from before your parents gave birth to you? In the future, when you pass away, where does your spirit go? Those who practice Zen inquire about these questions. They inquire all day and night, even while they are eating and sleeping, until it is the only thought that fills their mind. They investigate this in order to seek understanding and seek answers. Until they have found understanding and answers, they continue to move forward in their inquiry and make their mind become focused. This way, they are able to terminate the delusive thoughts and gossip of this mundane world, purifying the body and mouth. Having a purified body and mouth is like when a typhoon stops and the ocean becomes calm again. When a typhoon comes along, the ocean waves will be violently dangerous. People's minds are continuously filled with ignorant, delusive thoughts, which take control of their body as well as their mind leaving them with no control at all. They work hard their whole life, without knowing where they came from before birth or where they will go after death. They live as if they are intoxicated and dreaming, not being able to alleviate their suffering. How to eliminate suffering and attain the bliss of having ultimate peace, calmness, and quietude are questions you should try to find answers to. If your method of inquiry is good, there will be nothing to worry about. However, if you misunderstand even one tiny point, it is very easy to make mistakes. These mistakes cannot be corrected with any medicines. This is why your good advisors are constantly examining you to see if your thoughts are starting to go astray. Then they would question you about it. People who recite the Buddha's name should simply hold on to the Buddha's name and recite it. But some people are not that honest. Their mouth may be chanting, and you can see that their body is in the temple prostrating, but their mind has gone elsewhere. How will they be able to get on the right path in their cultivation? Of course, in the Buddha's great compassionate light, even if your mind is not cultivating properly, but since your body and mouth are definitely here, your efforts certainly will not go to waste. It is still very valuable to cultivate using the body and mouth. It is also scary, though, because if your thoughts start to go astray, 
Karmic obstructions from your limitless past will invade your mind. This is dangerous. Therefore, when you have uncertainties, ask questions. Even if you do not ask, go and research the answers for yourself. You do not only need to know how to recite the Buddha's name, but you also need to have strong faith and vows. When your faith and vows start to waver, you will not be able to reach your destination, even if you do undertake the practices. In the Pure Land Doctrine, having strong faith, vows, and practice are essential as the three legs of the grand incense holder. Any boat must have a captain. The great vessel of compassion needs a captain as well. However, you also need to have paddles. Even with these, you still need to have the skills to use them. Otherwise, your energy will go to waste. Likewise, it is important to know and understand the correct methods of cultivation. Knowledge and practice are equally important. Even though we speak of terminating the literal, understand once we initiate the actual practice, we must still seek to understand the methods of cultivation when we are practicing. You must know the path you will take when walking. If you take the wrong path, how will you reach your destination? Accord with the Buddha's mind and diminish worldly sentiments. Over the past two days, how has everyone been reciting the Buddha's name? How have you used your mind? It is of utmost importance to have a sincere mind. This way, you will not have delusive thoughts. If you find your thoughts all over the place, that means your mind is not sincere. Light and dark cannot coexist. Light eradicates darkness, and darkness eradicates light. Without a sincere mind, the light in your mind cannot shine, and your thoughts will wander. This is an area you must pay attention to. So how should we recite the Buddha's name? First, recite with your mind. Second, recite with your tongue and mouth. The mouth is not actually a part of the six organs of sense. Eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. It falls under the three karma, body, mouth, and mind. Reciting the Buddha's name requires specifically the use of the tongue. Without the tongue, even if you move your mouth, sound will come out, but words will be muffled. Each word we recite needs to be clear and distinct. How do we do that? We must listen with our ears. The ability to hear is required in order to make each word distinct. Each chant of the Buddha's name starts out from your sincere mind is recited clearly from your mouth, heard clearly in your ears, and returns to your mind where it is then remembered clearly. This means you are aware of every chant, not letting go of any one of the six characters in the Buddha's name. Putting all your energy and strength into one area is focusing your cultivation. When you're well accomplished in this area, you reach a single focused mind. If you are able to have one recitation like this, you should work to make all of your recitations like this, and make all seven days of this retreat like this. 
whether you are young or old, you carry on the recitation to every end of your life. That is what we call dedication and diligence. Use a sincere mind when chanting, and you will gain the boundless merits that are embodied in the holy name. If your mind is scattered, even if you chant until you lose your voice, it will still be useless. This is because your mind is still thinking delusive thoughts and seeking the seven emotions, pleasure, anger, sorrow, joy, love, hate, and desire, and the six desires. Your mind is still dwelling on the mundane world, completely opposite from your old home in the western pure land. This way you are miles apart from returning to your homeland, the western pure land, and achieving rebirth there. Even those who have been practicing for a long time still need to focus their mind, or delusive thoughts will take over. Compare the mind to an unchained monkey. Will the monkey obey your commands to remain in one place and not move? Even if you put chains on the monkey, it will still move around slightly, but at least it will not be able to go out and steal other people's fruits. Reciting the Buddha's name is like taking control over your body and mouth. Having control over your body and mouth ensures that the five precepts are followed, because the five precepts are concerned with only the body and mouth, not with the mind. Concentrate the mind and apply sincerity. When you have practiced like this, your skills will be in tandem with those of the Buddha. When your body and mind are in the temple, even if you tell yourself to think about worldly matters, the thought simply will not arise. When you are able to terminate your worldly desires, your mind will be purified. A purified mind eventually evolves into a focused mind. At this time, you won't pay attention to what day of the week it is, what time of day it is, or when the meal time is. When your mind is in tandem with the mind of the Buddha, you may not even have the need to eat. However, you must remember that your body is a retribution body born from your parents. You still need to eat and sleep, just like a vehicle needs fuel in order to run. But if you are at ease when eating, you would not be unhappy when the flavor and texture of the food does not suit your taste. Nor would you be greedy for the foods that you like and avoid the foods that you dislike. Eat only for the purpose of fueling your body, and you will feel your body and mind become at ease. When you recite the Buddha's name, you do not have to wait until you go to the western pure land of ultimate bliss before you can feel happy and at ease. Every thought that does not deter from the Buddha constitutes the making of a Buddha. Every time your mind is in tandem with the mind of the Buddha, you will be able to perfect your skills and be at ease at all times. All hours of the day will be filled with stillness. There will be no moments of scattered thoughts. When you have attained this kind of Dharma bliss, even if someone calls you from home telling you that you have won the lottery, you will not want to go home and claim the money. You will see it as unnecessary and an obstruction to your cultivation. Letting go will allow you to be rid of all false, delusive, and scattered thoughts. Those are not real. They are simply worldly desires.
In contrast, you may want to rush home and claim your lottery money without even packing your luggage. You may say that you should claim the money in order to donate it to the temple, right? You may say that now, but once you have the money, you will think that it is not enough and want to wait until you have more before you donate any of it. When you revert to your innate purity and ultimate tranquility, all worldly affairs naturally become less important, and you will not be bothered by them. This is when your mind is in tandem with the mind of the Buddha. Your skills make you a noble person, because even though you are still an ordinary secular being, your mind is one with the sagely.